Pastor Xavier Reef with an example of living life according to God's standards, not our own. But to mourn over each other, ladies and gentlemen, I see you acting like an airhead, messing your life up, it should grieve me. And I should confront you because I love you, not because I think I'm better than you. The scriptures tell us that if we regard iniquity in our hearts, God will not hear us. Psalm 66, 18. How are we doing on toleration with sin? Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. It's been said it only takes one bad egg to create a bad omelet. So then, how many Christians in sin does it take to affect the entire church? Today, Pastor Xavier brings up a very sensitive subject and deals with it head-on, according to the counsel of the Word of God. Let's join him as he continues this important Simple Truth study series on the book of 1 Corinthians. In 1988, the estimate annual incidence of new gonorrhea and syphilis infections in the U.S. alone averaged uh, up to a new infection every 10 seconds. In 2006, the current estimates range from 400,000 to as many as 1 million projected cases of gonorrhea in the U.S. each year. The reluctance to discuss the topic, there is a general ignorance of the alarming rate of infection more than anything. What has left researchers stupefied is the astronomical growth of new types of diseases previously unknown to the scientific community. Uh, sexual transmitted diseases is at epidemic rate. Don't let anybody tell you it isn't. But it is not just the number of cases that are increased in the past decades, but also the dramatic increase of new types of genital herpes, chlamydia, big with girls, AIDS has wiped out so many. Listen to this girl's testimony. I am a girl 18. I had expected to get married this month. My boyfriend broke our engagement because I can't have children. A few years ago, I ran around with a crowd. We were all promiscuous. I contacted gonorrhea but didn't know it. Last month, the doctor found it. He said, um, it will keep me from... Motherhood, I wish I were dead. That is more the usual case than the exception today. But no one talks about it. What we want to do is look at Paul's response to sexual immorality in the church of Corinth, which is characterized by three things. Let me read one through eight. It is actually reported that there was sexual immorality among you, and such sexual immorality is not even named among the Gentiles, that a man has his father's wife. And you are puffed up, and have not rather mourned that he who has done this deed might be taken away from among you. For I indeed, as absent in body, but present in spirit, have already judged as though I were present him who has so done this deed. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, when you are gathered together, along with my spirit, with the power of our Lord Jesus Christ, deliver such a one to Satan for the destruction of the flesh, that his spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. Your glorying is not good. Do you not know that a little leaven leavens a whole lump? Therefore purge out the old leaven, that you may be a new lump, since you truly are unleavened. For indeed Christ has our Passover was sacrificed for us. Therefore, let us keep the feast, not with all leaven, nor with the leaven of malice and wickedness, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. 
Paul's response to sexual immorality in the church of Corinth is characterized by the following. First, verse 1 and 2. Paul rebuked the Corinthians for their toleration. Verse 3 through 5, Paul required the Corinthians to act without hesitation. And 6 through 8, Paul reminded the Corinthians to act according to their transformation. He lays it out for us, ladies and gentlemen. I love Corinthians because you know what? It's exactly where the world has always been and always will be. And especially our nation, we are here. Our nation is a nation of Corinthians. Listen carefully. Look at first. The Apostle Paul rebuked the Corinthians for their toleration. Verse 1 and 2. Look at 1. Paul rebuked them for the presence of immorality in the church. The Apostle says this was a knowledge that was common. It was a common thing. Listen to his words. It is actually reported that there is sexual immorality among you. So the phrase actually reported uh, means a common well-known fact frequently conversed about. It wasn't a secret. The house of Chloe had reported this as well as divisions in chapter 1 verse 11. The rest of the church certainly knew about it. He's writing to the church. And the knowledge had to have been known by the pagan people at Corinth. Must have raised their eyes and it did by his shock. Now the phrase sexual morality, pornea, originally meant prostitution. We get our word pornography from it. The word appears 26 times in this form 30 other times in other forms in the New Testament. It's a key word. Because the world was immoral in that day. As here. People always say, well, we got to go back to the early church. We are there. <laughs> See, the problem with the church is made up of people. We have a tendency to sin unless we yield to the Spirit of God. Now, the word has come to be applied to any unlawful sexual activity, including intercourse. The word must be examined in the context whether it's to determine whether it's fornication, which usually is used for sex as a single person without being married, or adultery while having sex with another who's not your mate while being married. So the context will determine that. And we saw that when we studied Matthew 5.32 and Matthew 19 with Jesus. Now, the apostle rebuke, notice, uh, it's due to the fact that this particular sexual sin was condemned among the Gentiles. He says, and such sexual morality as is not even named among the Gentiles. So Gentiles didn't, didn't know God. They were comprised of Romans and Greeks, as you know. So here, the Gentiles are used as a sharp rebuke to the Corinthians as having a higher moral standard in this particular area than the Corinthian church. That is truly sad. Let me say to you today that churches are uh, as immoral or more immoral than people in the world today. And pastors know and they don't do anything about it. They don't teach against it or anything else. Let's just all get along. No, let's not. Let's fight. Let's be true to Jesus. How's that? Let's not think outside of the box. Let's think biblically. How's that? Notice the apostle stated it was the sin of incest. He puts his finger on it. That a man has his father's wife. The sin of incest was even frowned upon by the non-believer. The phrase that the man might have his father's wife has the article making her his stepmother. Otherwise, he would have been stated his mother. So this is stepmother. Nothing is said about the father, if he divorced her. Nothing stated here. Nothing is stated about the fault, whether it, he, he seduced her or she seduced him. Nothing is said. She's not even dealt with, which means possibly she's a non-believer. 
Because see, you judge those inside the church, but you don't deal with those outside the church. You see? Now the only thing we do know is that he did repent. We'll get this when we get to 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 3 through 11. The Father was alive. It's implied in 2 Corinthians 7, 12. Now, the law prohibited such sexual relationships or marriages, and they were punishable by death of both persons. Leviticus 18, 20, Deuteronomy 22. All of Leviticus 18 and 20 gives you, you should not uncover the nakedness of your father, your mother, your auntie, your uncle, your brother, your sister, all of them. It's just wrong. Now, if you, you know that many of the professionals today, psychologists, they, 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 they declare that it, it, there's nothing wrong with it. It's amazing what's going on today, okay? Back 20 years, there was a big write-up on the, on, on the Time magazine about it. That they even promote it. It's crazy. The toleration in the church had gone beyond the evil culture of the Corinthians. Notice that. The city was a port city. Remember that? You have port city, you have sailors. They're out for a lot of months. They come in, they go see the hookers. The city had two temples that espoused sexual license. The temple of Aphrodite, as you know, stood at the Acropolis with her thousand priestesses to finance the temple. And their trade and their profession was prostitution. The other one was the temple of Apollos, also promoting the practice of homosexuality. Now you have both of those things promoted today. You have the whole field of pornography. These girls get a, a W-2 form. They're, they're professionals. They're not looked down upon. They have celebrities, groupies, everything else. And homosexuality is being pushed all over. It started on January 1st of this year by our idiot government, Jerry Brown, on every subject to teach your children about homosexuality in the public schools. I hope you know that. Look at verse 2. Paul rebuked them for the way they had handled the immorality. The Corinthians were prideful in their toleration. And you are puffed up. The Corinthians were puffed up, inflated in their arrogant state, thinking that they were spiritual. Remember earlier in chapter 4? Oh, you're reigning, you're king. Wish you were, we'd be reigning with you. Here you're telling me that you're spiritual, and you can't even discern that this guy is out to lunch sleeping with a stepmother? The pronoun used emphatic, by the way. And if you're a parent, you know what he's talking about. You go to your kid, you! You want them to get the point. Leaning to their own understanding by the cultural wisdom, which was foolishness instead of God's wisdom and power that he talked about in chapter 1, 2, and 3. In chapter 2, verse 4 through 5, Paul said, And my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power to transform them. That your faith should not be in the wisdom of man, but in the power of God. What do you base your relationship, your boasting on? That you're cool, that you know how to handle things? Or is it that God's power is upon you to keep you from sinning and to transform you? Is it because you, you belong to a nifty, hep little church with a preppy, neat little pastor that doesn't put any boundaries and you can do what you want? Wow. The Corinthians could have allowed the philosophy of dualism to ensnare them. That later became Gnosticism, as you know. Matter was evil, spirit was good. Therefore, their philosophy was, you can do whatever you want with your body and it doesn't affect your spirit and you can affect, you can deal with your spirit with God and nothing else. What a nifty little thing. We have a, a saying that says, you can't have your cake and eat it too. But we still try, right? God won't let you. You go ahead and have your cake. And when you go eat it, he's going to smash it in your face. He says, no. Okay? This is not only spiritual pride which marks the Corinthians throughout the letter. 
But it's leading to deception. You have it in chapter 1, 2, 4, 5, 8, 13. You're going to need a pride, 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 pride. Notice the Corinthians had not been bothered over the situation. He says, and have not rather mourned. The word mourn means the wail and lament due to the grief and pain. The word is used of mourning for the dead in Mark 16.10. The word is used of Paul, by Paul of his own wailing perhaps when he got there in all those various lifestyles of the Corinthians that he might have to wail over them in 2 Corinthians 12.21 when he gets there. Their mourning should have been expressed seeing the death of the fellowship between this man and God and the church. What father doesn't lament when he sees his son perhaps give away his sexual purity or his daughter? If he celebrates, he's an idiot. We're to mourn over each other, ladies and gentlemen. I see you acting like an airhead, messing your life up. It should grieve me. And I should confront you because I love you, not because I think I'm better than you. The scriptures tell us that if we regard iniquity in our hearts, God will not hear us. Psalm 66, 18. Isaiah 59, 1 and 2. God's hands not short that he cannot save. Neither is his ear heavy that he cannot hear. But your sins have separated between you and God. And he turns his back on us. What is it that we don't understand? The restoration of fellowship with God is by confession of sin and abandonment of sin. 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. And to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. 1 John 2, 1, my little children, I write these things to you that you do not practice sin. If you stumble, you have Jesus Christ the righteous to make intercession for you. Notice the Corinthians should have denied the sinning young man fellowship in the church. That he who has done this deed might be taken away from among you. The Corinthians had not removed this person from the church. They were, hey, how you doing, bro? Give me five. Oh, by the way, you want to serve? Oh, yeah, here. Really? Wow. The phrase taken away means to be lifted up out of the place. It's found only one other time in this form. In the same chapter, look at verse 13. Therefore, put away from yourself the evil person. Only two times, right here. The man was still allowed and being allowed to fellowship in the church. The man was not even looked as doing wrong. They didn't even say nothing. They were saying the church is no different than the world. That's what they're saying. Let me tell you. The church today is no different than the world. Listen, I'm committed to Jesus. I'm in kingdom business. I run too long, too far. I have too many scars. I'll be darned if I'm quitting now. It's all up to you how you want to live. The evidence is confirmed by the fact that the Apostle Paul later rebuked them for tolerating fornication with prostitutes in chapter 6, verse 12 through 20. It's crazy. And there he will express the liberty of Christians in gray areas, the right for the body, food and such and so, but, but sex is only for marriage, not to, because he says, when you join yourself to a harlot or another woman in fornication or a man, it is spiritual connection. Both in body and in spirit, you make them one. We are creating the image and likeness of God. It's just not physical aerobics, you understand? A soft-spoken, raven-haired 16-year-old added the sad commentary, about going all the way, meaning losing the virginity. After I lost it, I didn't feel pure anymore. After that wore off, all I ever felt since is fear. Now, the sad commentary today is young girls don't feel fear. They don't feel shame or anything else. That's how down the greater we are today in our nation. 
The earlier girls begin having sex, the higher the risk of developing cervical cancer as adults. Every time you have sex with someone, you have sex with the person who they had sex with. So if you had sex with a person with 10 people and they had sex with 10 people and then you had sex as a virgin for the first time, you just had sex for the first time with 100 people. Doesn't look so pretty anymore, does it? It's like going to the ball game. Under the lights, that red carp, that red dirt, brown looks beautiful. Green grass. But you go down that infield and you take a shovel full of that beautiful red brown dirt and you bring it to your living room, brand new white carpet, throw it down there. Now it looks dirty because it's out of its environment. You take sex out of marriage, you put it out there, and it will destroy you. It will be dirty, and you will regret it every day of your life. Now, having said that, thank God for the grace of God, because the majority of us blew it. So we know the grace of God, but we know the destruction. And God help us if we keep quiet and don't admit the truth. I am not the standard. The Bible is. You understand? Sexual sin is a very destructive sin, although partake of it. Particularly the innocent party. And there are innocent party at times. The proverb is full of warnings describing that he who takes fire to bosom will get burned. Speaking about sexual sin in Proverbs 6.27. The proverbs say that by means of a heart that a man is reduced to a crust of bread. All these guys, big old guys, they're not here because they're as an ox to the slaughter. An adulterer will prey upon his precious life. Fornication is joining two bodies into one, the most intimate of relationships reserved for marriage. First Corinthians 6.16, he'll deal with it. It goes back to Genesis 2.24, Ephesians 5, uh, for the marriage covenant with God. It is the only sin against your own body. Every other sin is outside the body. First Corinthians 6.18, because your body was made for God, and your body was made for your husband and wife. Okay, But before you're married, that's the only sin against your own body. Very clear. It defiles a man and a woman, but the woman is humbled by the man. You have a Bible program, put there humble. Humble and humbled. And you're going to get all the Old Testament scriptures. One of them is Deuteronomy 22, 24, and 29. There'll be all kinds. Every time a man, when he has sex with a virgin, he humbles her. He conquers her. That's never said of a woman to a man. The man is the rat. The woman pays the price. It is the giving of one's honor and purity to another rather than the wife or husband on the honeymoon bed. Proverbs 5.9 says, it says the years of the cruel one cannot be removed undone. It remains imprinted in the mind and the heart of the individual who partook for the rest of their life. Shame, regret is good. It causes us to reflect and hopefully turn us. But again, aren't you glad that the grace of God is so sufficient? He's so good, but I never want to forget where he got me from. And I never want to forget of warning those of how stupid I was. You understand? Very important. It can have repercussions for a person's marriage through disappointment, a sense of regret, being deceived, whatever it may be. Lost years. Listen carefully to the Shunammite in Song of Solomon, chapter 8, verse 10. The Shunammite says, I am a wall, one who resisted sexual advances. In my breast like towers. Then I became and in his eyes as one who found peace. In other words, when he married, when she married, she was at peace because she had been true and didn't break trust with herself and had no regrets or anything to hide from her husband. It's real simple. Real simple. Adultery is a destructive sin. 
to the partner's life. Adultery is the only biblical reason for divorce between a Christian and another Christian. And even God allows a non-believer to be released from that. Matthew 5.32 and Matthew 19.9. It is an allowable, not a command. If they repent, you want to forgive, then that's best. But it's up to you. Now God can do it. And if you forgive and you re- of the repentance and you continue the marriage, you can't opt out the next hour. You can't opt out the next week. You cannot opt until another act of adultery. You understand? Because if you forgive, it's like it never happened. Whoa. Okay? You make the choice. The one who has been injured. All right? And if you choose not to, there's no condemnation. But certainly it would be the best thing for the marriage when kids and all that. And God gets the glory instead of you. And God's will's done instead of yours. But unless that's too condemning, let's move on. Two believers marry, and one departs. They are to remain unmarried or reconciled, and the other is not to divorce them. First Corinthians seven ten through eleven, because you as Christians have made a vow before God, you are under greater responsibility to God. So if there's no adultery, you're not to separate. And if you separate, you're leaving room, and you're going to seek a divorce, and then you're going to get yourself in trouble. Okay? You have no basis. If you made a covenant to Christians and there's no adultery, you cannot remarry. Paul is using the same word that Jesus used, merely confirming the teaching of Jesus. Listen to Matthew 19, 6. Jesus says, So then, they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, no man separate. Okay? So there is no biblical teaching or allowance for Christian separation. But you can go to any church and they will just shove it under the carpet and say, you're okay. No, you're not. Only if adultery is committed by the believing against their mate. If they depart and commit adultery, then of course that would release the innocent party. If they depart, divorce you and get remarried, of course they would be causing the person to commit adultery, commit adultery against you, so you'd be released. You understand? That's it. Matthew 5, 32 and 19, Now, if a Christian is married to an unbeliever, that is different. 1 Corinthians 7, 12 through 13. And the unbeliever wants to depart, separate, with the implication that they're going to divorce them. Because a non-believer is not going to just separate from you just to go play marbles, okay? Then you, the believer, are set free because you can't compel a non-believer to love you or to stay married to you because they don't give allegiance to Christ, Right? So the person who has an unbelieving mate is under a lesser responsibility because the second party is not a believer and they did not make a commitment before God as a Christian. Okay? Now, some Christians don't like that. Suck it up. So before you marry, look at that mug because you're going to roll over in bed and see it for the rest of your life. All right? No money back with receipts or anything else. No returns. The proverb says 632-33 without com- that whoever commits adultery lacks understanding, destroys his own soul, wounds his dishonor, wounds and dishonor will get him, and reproaches will not be wiped away. Ask anybody. But if you repent and there's forgiveness and grace, God can make that flower blossom. But you deal with it on your own selfishness, and it will destroy you. Paul rebuked the Corinthians for their toleration. How are we doing on toleration with sin? 
Pastor Xavier Reese, discovering the forgiveness and grace available when following the simple truths of Scripture's prescription for restoring broken relationships. And all our recent programs, including this one, are available for listening again, anytime, just by clicking the radio listings link at calvarychapelpasadena.com. Or, if you prefer to request your own copy of today's important study from 1 Corinthians, titled, Sexual Sin Within the Church, it's available on CD for just $4. And having your own copy makes a convenient way to pass along this teaching to your brothers and sisters in the Lord once you're through. The title to ask for, once again, is Sexual Sin Within the Church. Or simply mention today's date when you write Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And thanks for including the call letters of this station when you contact us. Is it possible to win the battle of the flesh when it comes to sexual immorality? Find out when you join Pastor Xavier Reese. And that's next time on Simple Truths. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California www.calvarychapelpasadena.com